Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Guardian Mindset Podcast. Well, we're going to talk about a Supreme Court decision today, and specifically a Supreme Court decision dealing with Miranda. And uh, we all, like always, we start out with a quote. So the quote for this one's going to be from Kenneth Aid, in which he said, when they say whatever you say may be used against you, they mean it, <laughs> right? Use your Fifth Amendment right, remain silent. Uh, today's case, what we're going to look at is a recent Supreme Court ruling which protects law enforcement when Miranda warnings are missed. But it also gives us an opportunity. And the opportunity is to, to do a quick review of Miranda and Miranda rules as they apply and some of the hot topics associated with Miranda. This is a Supreme Court case, and the title is called Vega versus Tuck. In, in this case, uh, it was decided by the Supreme Court of the United States on June 23rd, 2022, and six of the nine Supreme Court justices voted that police officers can no longer be sued under Section 1983 claims if they forget to state a suspect's Miranda rights. While the court still believes that Miranda rights should be read, they reiterated that Miranda rights are prophylactic, meaning precautionary, and that the reading of the Miranda rights is not in itself a constitutional right. The court cautioned that if a suspect is not read their Miranda rights, then the courts can block a suspect's self-incrimination or self-incriminating comments, which you know, that's the basis of the Miranda protection is that you would lose any statements made as a direct result of, of not properly advising a suspect of their Miranda warning. So let's take a second and do just a little review of the law in this area. Specifically, you know, we're going to have to start with the 1966 Supreme Court case decision of Miranda versus Arizona. In 1966, the Supreme Court ruled in Miranda, which created precedent law requiring detainees to be advised of their constitutional rights, but it did not specify the wording that must be used to do so. When an individual is arrested or questioned about a crime of which he is suspected, he must be told in an understandable manner that he has the right to refuse to answer questions and that he has a right to have a lawyer present when he is questioned. This includes advising him that the court will appoint a lawyer free of charge to assist him if he cannot afford to hire one. The purpose of this advisory message is to protect the individual's Fifth Amendment right to not incriminate himself. The court ruling stated this, the person in custody must, prior to interrogation, be clearly informed that he or she has the right to remain silent and that anything the person says will be used against the person in court. The person must be clearly informed that he or she has the right to consult with an attorney and to have that attorney present during questioning and that if he or she is indigent, an attorney will be provided at no cost to represent him or her. The term custody is the first element of this application. As you know that there's two very important threshold questions and threshold words that we use when talking about Miranda. The first one is custody, and the second one is interrogation or custodial interrogation. So the first analysis is what does the term custody mean? Custody has been defined as being put under formal arrest or being deprived of freedom in a manner commonly associated with being under arrest. 
And I will tell you, I come from a state in which custody here in the state of Connecticut, uh, it's all about people's feelings. So you got to review what your local law is, specifically whether it falls under the federal application of custody, which is the formal uh, deprivation of freedom by touching or, or you know, by using force, or some states which have gone to the more, I feel like I'm not free to leave. Those are the areas that define the custody application. Next, we have the term interrogation. And interrogation has been defined as the explicit questioning of a person in a manner that is reasonably likely to provoke an incriminating statement. Because of the widespread ramifications of the Miranda ruling, police and other law enforcement agencies across the country instituted a policy of advising every suspect taken into custody or questioned as a criminal suspect of their rights. This mandatory notice is commonly referred to as Miranda rights or Miranda warnings. Well, some of you may not even know where Miranda came from and or you may have slept through the police academy when you were being taught that. So let's do a quick review because the history of the case is kind of important. And since we're going to talk about it, we might as well go all the way down that rabbit hole and lay that all out. On March 13th, 1963, Phoenix police arrested Ernesto Miranda after evidence linked him to the kidnapping and rape of a girl 10 days earlier. Miranda was interrogated for two hours, after which he signed a confession which read, I do hereby swear that I make this statement voluntarily and of my own free will, with no threats, coercion, or promises of immunity, and with full knowledge of my legal rights, understanding any statement I may make may be used against me. In this case, the biggest question, which is something we're going to talk about later, is, well, what about an in, what is an intentional or a a waiver that is free? Here, Miranda was a man with a ninth grade education level. He had a history of mental instability. The interrogation was conducted with no attorney present and no one to interpret the legalese of the statements he signed. Nobody told Miranda that he had a right to an attorney and he had a right to remain silent or that anything he said during questioning could be used against him at trial. At Miranda's trial, prosecutors relied wholly on his confession. Although his attorney objected, arguing that Miranda's involuntary confession should be excluded for evidence, it was allowed. The jury convicted Miranda of rape and kidnapping and sentenced him to 20 to 30 years in prison. The defense team filed an appeal to the Arizona Supreme Court based on the fact that Miranda's confession was not voluntary and should have been excluded from the criminal proceedings. The court affirmed the lower court's decision, stating that Miranda did not request an attorney. Miranda's attorney then appealed the case to the United States Supreme Court. The United States Supreme Court ruled that the police interrogation was coercive and that the confession could not be used as evidence at trial. The reasoning behind this was because the police had not informed Miranda that he had a right to an attorney, or that he had a right to make any statements that would incriminate himself, thus violating Miranda's constitutional rights. Miranda's conviction was overturned, a new trial was ordered, 
And in the new trial, instead of using the confession, the prosecution called witnesses. Miranda was convicted once again and sentenced to prison. We know, based on those fact patterns, that Miranda rights applies whenever a person is subjected to custodial interrogation and custody for Miranda purposes is not simply being detained or seized. Miranda custody occurs when, whether, when there is a formal arrest or where there is a restraint on the person's freedom of movement of the degree associated with a formal arrest. The Fifth Amendment right to counsel, as per the Miranda decision, is triggered by custodial interrogation. So, 1963. Well, boy, things have completely expanded since 1963, haven't they? And what's most important is, what are the most specific issues? See, as as you're listening to this podcast, one of the benefits that I want you to pay attention to is that what are the areas that we know are going to be challenged in the area of custody and interrogation? And and these are things that you should take into consideration when you're evaluating or conducting an interview or an interrogation in which somebody is in custody. First, and most importantly, the issue of, of the day that we have seen across the country is clarity. Clarity. Well, here in the state of Connecticut, uh, we're a very liberal state, and this issue has taken uh, as has has been clarified, which soon I assume will follow to some more states in the United States, and that is that if there is a question about whether or not somebody wants an attorney, um, then you must stop and clarify the application. Now, like I said, this might not be the law in your area yet. And you should clearly identify whether or not it is the law in your area. But I will tell you that this is a hot topic. And it's a hot topic because there are multiple court cases on whether or not Miranda warnings should be given. And at any point thereafter, if the defendant or suspects makes any references to an attorney, to a lawyer, or to counsel, what do we do? Well, the law to this point in most states are that when an individual wants an attorney, they have, to, they have to be ambiguous. They have to be clear on what they want. And so the question has really come, what happens if it's equivocal or unequivocal, ambiguous or unambiguous? One of the things that, at least in the state of Connecticut, the court has said in the Purcell case that the interrogation must stop in that officers must stop and clarify. So what are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about the situation where you have read somebody their Miranda rights, they have waived their Miranda rights, and you're now interviewing them, and they make statements that we've seen in multiple court cases across the country. Statements such as, hey, uh, do I need an attorney? Should I get an attorney? Are you an attorney? Should I call an attorney? Well, to this point, or at least in the state of Connecticut up until we saw Purcell, one of the issues on the table was, hey, is it ambiguous or unambiguous? Is it equivocal or unequivocal? You know, we know that there were some very key words as investigators, and that is, I want an attorney. Well, we know that when somebody says, I want an attorney, that that is uh, equivocal, and it is clear, and therefore we must stop. Everything after that is less clear and became an issue on the table. 
The next hot topic that we've seen in the history of analysis is investigative detentions, Terry stops. We know that there is a case from 2004, a Supreme Court case called Heibel versus the Sixth Judicial District Court of Nevada. And in this case, police conducted an investigative detention and the court said they are permitted to ask the detainee a reasonable number of questions designed to confirm or dispel suspicions. What the court said is Miranda warnings are generally not required when conducting a basic investigative detention. What should be given if probable cause to arrest begins to develop and the questioning takes on a criminal investigative purpose. So investigative detentions, no Fifth Amendment application is needed solely for the purpose of the detention. The next hot topic is the public safety exception. And the public safety exception is an exception where there is, well, let's just say what it is, there is public safety need. Note that there is a public safety exception to Miranda that applies in situations in which a threat to police or other public safety outweighs the need for the prophylactic protections afforded by the Miranda warning. Um, Most of you would probably have court cases in your state that have evaluated the public safety uh, statement. And I'll give you an example of one that the state of Connecticut Supreme Court looked at in the case called State versus Smith in 2016. The court said, under the exception, police are permitted to ask questions that relate to an objectively reasonable need to protect the police and or the public from an immediate danger without administering Miranda warnings. The Smith case is illustrative in that case. The court concluded that the public safety exception to Miranda applied after circumstances were as follows. On arrival to the scene of an assault, it was a large fight that had occurred. On arrival to the scene of assault, the police spoke to the victim who was seriously injured and who made statements that he had been beaten with a baseball bat, that a gun had been involved, and that six people had been involved in the brawl, including the defendant. The victim had also told the dispatch during the 911 call that six people were coming back to the scene with guns. There were also a number of individuals in the area at the time that had come out of their residence and gathered at the crime scene. When the defendant arrived on scene shortly thereafter to inquire whether he was being sought, the police handcuffed him for safety and frisked him and asked him, in essence, whether he had any weapons, whether he knew where the weapons were, and what about other persons reported by the victims have been being present and armed, and what happened that night. Based on the above circumstances, the court concluded that the police had a legitimate concern that they were in the midst of a volatile situation and now included numerous onlookers, which involved unaccounted for dangerous weapons and guns, as well as several unaccounted for suspects, some or all of whom might have returned or been on their way back to the vicinity. And therefore, the court said there is that that under this exception, the police are permitted to ask questions that relate to an objectively reasonable need to protect the police and or the public from an immediate danger without administering Miranda warnings. So let's take a look at the true issue for this podcast, and that is the Supreme Court's decision on June 23rd, 2022. While the court still believes that Miranda rights should be read, they were concerned about whether or not there should be 1983 liability. Now, 
As a lot of you know, we've talked about this topic many times on this podcast, but if you've paid attention to any of our articles, our podcasts, or a Path of the Guardian training, we talk a lot, a lot about 42 USC Section 1983. And this is a federal law which allows individuals to sue government entities for deprivations of their constitutional rights. So when we're talking about 1983 word, we often hear... Uh, we often hear this case used as it applies to law enforcement officers who use excessive force. However, in many cases, the courts have heard Section 1983 claims that relate to Miranda warnings. What that means here is, is in its application, can the officer be civilly liable for not reading Miranda when they should? The Supreme Court of the United States argued that courts have generally weighed the balance of interest when hearing these cases. And there should not be so many exceptions to the rule. In the opinion of the Supreme Court, Miranda is not the thing that protects civil rights. So let's look at, we'll look at the facts of this case here. On March 2014, Tekka, T-E-K-O-H, was working as a certified nursing assistant at a Los Angeles medical center when a female patient accused him of sexually assaulting her. The hospital staff reported the accusations to the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, and Deputy Vega responded. Vega questioned Tekka uh, at length in the hospital, and Tekka eventually provided a written statement apologizing for inappropriately touching the patient's genitals. The parties dispute whether Vega used coercive investigative techniques to extract the statement, but it is undisputed that he never informed Tekka of his rights under Miranda versus Arizona. Tekka was arrested and charged in California state court with unlawful sexual penetration. At Tekka's first trial, the judge held that Miranda had not been violated because Tekka was not in custody when he provided the statement. But the trial resulted in a mistrial. When Tekka was retried, a second judge again denied his request to exclude the confession. The trial resulted in acquittal, and Tekka then brought an action under 42 U.S.C. Section 1983 against Deputy Vega and several other defendants seeking damages for alleged violation of his constitutional rights, including his Fifth Amendment right against compelled self-incrimination. When this Section 1983 case was first tried, the jury returned a verdict in favor of Vega, but the judge concluded that he had given an improper jury instruction and thus granted a new trial. Before the second trial, Tekka asked the court to instruct the jury that it was required to find that Vega violated the Fifth Amendment right against compelled self-incrimination if it determined that he took a statement from Tekka in violation of Miranda and that the statement was then improperly used against Tekka at his criminal trial. The district court declined, reasoning that Miranda established a prophylactic rule and that such a rule could not alone provide the grounds for Section 1983 liability. Instead, the jury was asked to decide whether Tekka's Fifth Amendment's rights had been violated. The court instructed the jury to determine, based on the totality of all the surrounding evidence, whether Tekka's statement had been improperly coerced or compelled. And the court explained that a confession is improperly coerced 
or compelled if a police officer uses physical or psychological force or threats not permitted by law to undermine a person's ability to exercise his or her free will. The jury found in Vega's favor, and Tekka appealed. The Ninth Circuit panel reversed, holding that the use of an unmirandized statement against the defendant in a criminal proceeding violates the Fifth Amendment and may support a Section 1983 claim against the officer who obtained the statement. The panel acknowledged that the Ninth Circuit Court has repeatedly said that Miranda adopted prophylactic rules designed to protect against constitutional violations and that the decision did not hold that the contravention of those rules necessarily constitutes a constitutional violation. But the panel thought that the Supreme Court's decision in Dickerson versus the United States made clear that the right of a criminal defendant against having an unmirandized statement introduced in the prosecution's case in chief is indeed a right secured by the Constitution. Therefore, the panel concluded that Tekka could establish a violation of his Fifth Amendment right against compelled self-incrimination simply by showing that Miranda had been violated. The panel thus remanded the case for a new trial. The Supreme Court looked at the question, and the question at hand, according to the Supreme Court, is whether a violation of the Miranda rules provides a basis for a claim under 1983. Supreme Court overall held that it does not. According to the Supreme Court, a violation of Miranda is not itself a violation of the Fifth Amendment. And because there is no justification for expanding Miranda to confer a right to sue under Section 1983, the Supreme Court reversed the Court of Appeals judgment in Vega versus Teca. The Supreme Court argued that a Miranda violation is not equivalent to a violation of the Fifth Amendment. The Fifth Amendment provides that no person shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself. This clause permits persons to refuse to testify against himself at a criminal trial in which he is a defendant and also privileges him not to answer official questions put to him in any other proceeding, civil or criminal, formal or informal, where the answers might incriminate him in future criminal proceedings. In Miranda, the court concluded that additional procedural protections were necessary to prevent the violation of this important right when suspects who are in custody are interrogated by the police. To afford this protection, the court required that custodial interrogation be preceded by the now familiar warnings mentioned above and it directed that those statements obtained in violation of these new rules may not be used by the prosecution in its case in chief. <clears throat> in this case, the Ninth Circuit held, and Tekka now argues, that a violation of Miranda constitutes a violation of the Fifth Amendment right against compelled self-incrimination, but that is wrong. Miranda itself, and other Supreme Court cases, make clear that Miranda imposes a set of procedural precautionary rules. Those rules, to be sure, are constitutionally based, but they are prophylactic rules nonetheless. So what should we take away from this case? Overall, the Supreme Court's decision protects law enforcement officers from human error and the off chance that you forget to read a suspect their Miranda rights. Be aware, though, 
the Supreme Court clearly states throughout their opinion that if you do not read someone their Miranda rights and they make a statement, this statement may be thrown out as evidence. So if someone's confession is going to be a big part of your case, be sure to continue following proper Miranda procedures. Just note, you cannot be sued under a Section 1983 claim if you forget to do so. So how's that for a review of Miranda? Till next time, help those who need your help, protect those who need your protection, and most importantly, keep yourself and others safe. Thank you.